Welcome to the first episode for 2023. Firstly, Happy New Year. I hope you had a lovely break with your family and your friends and you got to relax and recharge for the new year. And if you're back at work, I hope it is going smoothly. Um, I actually spent the Christmas and New Year period packing and moving houses again. I am getting so good at this. Um, Packing and culling has been something that... I was really bad at before and because we've moved three times in two years basically mastered it so hopefully no more moving for another couple of years but we are in the middle now of setting up the new place we're unpacking all the boxes and i'm setting up the new clinic um obviously in the spare room so if you haven't already seen though um over on my instagram Uh, We've had a bit of a revamp in the branding and the look for the new goal, the new, the clinic, I guess. It's the new location of the clinic because I work from home, but um, you can check it out on Instagram. It's very exciting to mix up the branding look for me. Uh, Something that is now a little bit more aligning with me in this season of who I am personally and where I am at, but also the business. Um, Don't get me wrong. I loved the old look. But I also just felt like it was really soft and nurturing and clinical. And I wanted to shift towards something more bold, a bit more quirkiness and like a bit less clinical. The last uh, business course that I did, which I think I would have spoken about a lot in like the earlier uh, episodes, they we talked a lot about different money archetypes, which is basically like money personalities and then how you run your business uh, based on which type of personalities uh, you are. And they kind of rate them in top top three and then they're all scored. Uh, I think there was nine of them, but the top three are sort of like the ones that run you the most, I guess, or rule you the most. Anyway, in my top three is the maverick. And the maverick is actually defined as the inner rebel. So someone who basically goes against the grain, does things like a little bit differently outside of the box, has like alternative ideas of doing things. And I resonate with that quite a lot. Obviously, it's in my top three. But because I always felt like those traditional ways of running an EP clinic felt so boring to me and not exciting. Um, There was a lot of long-term commitment and um, the Maverick doesn't actually like that, which I later discovered was the reason why I never really wanted to commit to long-term leases for an actual clinic, which all makes sense once I did that course. But I really wanted to revamp my branding to bring about that feeling of being a little bit less clinical and soft. And I wanted to be more bold and like action take, uh, take action type feeling. So um, that's kind of where the rebrand look came from. Um, so hopefully you get that vibe <laughs> through the new look. And if you don't, just don't say anything because it's too late. Um, and I really like it. So I guess that's all that matters. But I also have extended that branding to what was the School of Women's Health, um, which is like the education branch of the business for you as a health and fitness professional and what you're all here for. So um, that is actually now called Her Education. 
really wanted to link it all together a little bit more and have it not so separate um, and, you know, have it more aligned as like a whole so that the clinical side of what I do in clinic and see clients then had the education side as well for more the health and fitness professionals and it wasn't so separated. Um, so that was the whole intention behind it. Obviously, the branding looks quite similar, a few little variations on things, but most of it will be um a similar look. So I hope you like it and you resonate with that a lot. And if you don't resonate with that, then um, hopefully uh, it doesn't bother you too much. But anyway, when I actually went to go change my Instagram handle, um, I was so sad because I couldn't actually get her.education. So when I look at my EP clinic side, it's her.exercise.physiology. And I wanted it to be like really similar. And then when I went to go change it, Nothing was available as well, I guess you could imagine with how many people are on Instagram now. So anyway, everything was already taken. So I had to go through all the different options and the variations of it. And I was just getting annoyed. Um, so if you're looking for me now, it's actually at her.education underscore. Had to chuck in a little underscore. If you didn't already know, you can't actually put a dot at the end of your name or your handle, which was like so annoying because I could have just had like her.education dot. Anyway. Super annoying, but you know, whatever, you get the point. At least I could have like some variation of her education because then everything would have, like I didn't think about that until I did all the branding. And then I was like, oh, what if I can't change my name? That's awkward. Anyway, we're there in the end. Make sure you're going over there to follow both of those accounts if you're interested in women's health education or you're a client potentially. Who knows? Go follow along. Anyway, I'm super excited about this because I have lots of plans to extend the education side in so many ways. And this year will have a big focus on that for me, obviously, as well as the virtual clinic. Um, so stay tuned for everything. But most of it I'm going to have is like, I really, really want to uh, grow the education side and really help a lot more practitioners because ultimately my goal is to help more women with their pelvic health. And obviously I'm capped at how much I can do every week in seeing clients. Anyway. So if you're on my email list, you'll know that last week I sent out an email talking about how I spent the end of 22, end of 2022, <laughs> reflecting on the year and asking myself like what went really well, what didn't really go so well and what didn't really serve me and, you know, didn't not go well, but didn't serve me and um, how I was going to shift that this year or what I wanted to do moving forward. And one thing that I found that went well, but didn't really seem to serve me as well as what I thought it would have was actually ticking off my goals. Um, I feel like this might cause a bit of controversy, but I had a fair few big goals on that list uh, last year and I ticked most of them off. However, I just didn't feel satisfied like I thought I would. Um, when I really thought about it, the goals I set were just things that could be measured that I assumed would make me feel certain ways, but turns out some of them didn't. So this year, I actually wanted to set goals around emotions that I wanted to feel and focusing more on the intentions around how I was going to work towards um you know, tasks or projects or um, the emotions that I wanted to achieve, I guess, and then leave space for opportunities to arise that I don't necessarily plan for, uh, but serve my intentions. Previously, I've been really like, I will do this and I will do this and I will do this and I will do this. And then I guess that has sort of closed off um, any 
space for something that might come up that I never really considered that could really drive uh, more, I guess, uh, help me reach my intentions and my feelings, emotions more around particular goals. So that's what I did. And it actually feels so much better to have written this down um, instead of that like measurable smart goals <laughs> that um, we normally do. Because when they are achieved, those measurable goals, um, it might not really mean that much in a sense of like um, how you felt around achieving those or what you wanted to feel by achieving that goal. Or sometimes if you don't actually get there, it really makes you feel crap, even though you may have been really consistent with the execution of tasks that should have got you there. I mean, like when you think about your clients and say a weight loss goal, if their goal is to lose 10 kilograms and they don't quite get there, but they've been really consistent with their diet, they've been really consistent with their exercise routine, they've made all these healthy changes and still haven't got there. It feels like such a failure when in reality, they should feel super stoked at their ability to actually be really consistent with those hardcore habits that they've had to change. So that's kind of a really good example of what I mean by sometimes those goals didn't actually fulfill that feeling that you wanted to have by actually achieving that. So anyway, I hope that makes sense to you. I wanted to share that because maybe you felt the same at the end of 2022. If you're someone that's really harsh on yourself and you have really high expectations of yourself like I do, then you might actually resonate with that quite a lot. And you might want to do things a little bit differently this year. So I wanted to share that now so you can make a little bit more plans around your intentions, maybe um, an execution tasks list instead of goals. So like what you want to consistently do um, in terms of tasks rather than like specific measurable goals around income or seeing a specific amount of clients or whatever that might be. Anyway, moving on from that, I wanted to talk a little bit more about women's health. Last week, I posted on my Instagram page on the education side, her education, uh, about the importance of assessing posture during an initial consultation, especially when you're helping address pelvic health concerns. Now, obviously, I go deeper, a lot deeper into this um, inside the very first module of the mentorship program. But just to give you a rundown, research actually shows us that some postural changes in the spine, shoulder, pelvis, and the lower limbs are associated with common pelvic floor dysfunctions, especially things like urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, and things like chronic pelvic pain, which means a postural assessment can give you clues as to what might be actually contributing to someone's particular symptoms. When we are actually trying to resolve pelvic health concerns, we really need to look outside the pelvis and see what the full picture looks like for someone. Um, as you know, I'm a huge believer in the whole body contributing to pelvic health, um, and I take a bit of a movement approach to that. But there are many drivers of pelvic floor symptoms that are not always related to weakness of the muscle or tightness of the muscle, which are typically things that you'll find when you're looking up education and research. There are many possible drivers to those symptoms, and posture is one of them. This is especially important to look at if you have done all of the pelvic floor work with your clients, but they still can't fully resolve their symptom. So maybe you've done all the strengthening work with them. You've taught them how to relax, lengthen their pelvic floor. You've taught them proper core activation, but they still experience leaking or experience pain. There is something else driving this outside of the pelvic floor and the core. 
This is where a postural assessment allows you to look at everything above and below the pelvis that is feeding into the function of the pelvic floor and then showing up as these symptoms. Could be at a particular intensities, could be at particular workloads, could be in different types of activities, whatever it is. This is where it will start to come about. It was actually really quite awesome watching the mentees from last year's mentorship apply this in their work setting and then seeing things that they probably wouldn't have picked up on before as potential issues. And then even for clients that had had that have got like other issues like shoulder or neck pain or even like foot and knee issues as well, because like the same concepts can be applied to injuries in general, not just pelvic floor conditions. Now, when you really start looking at posture and you know what to look for, it is actually so helpful to guide the rest of your initial assessment. So you might think like a postural assessment is a bit silly. How do we really know things? Like we need to look at their movement, but If you can do the initial posture assessment, you're going to get all these clues and then you can choose which movement assessments that you want to look at for someone based on what you think might be causing more issues based on their, say, static posture assessment or asking more questions about particular symptoms that are associated with some of those postural changes that the client might not realize is actually a problem for them. And when you ask them, they're like, oh, yeah, I actually do get that. So it's important. And ultimately, the better assessment that you have the more accurate of a prescription you'll be able to send them home with. So I really encourage you to start adding this in if you haven't already got it in your initial assessment. And if you are like me and you offer online services or maybe you have more telehealth consultations, this becomes so valuable because you you can't see them properly and you can't watch how they move. You can't look at them when they're walking from the reception waiting area into your clinic. You can't see what they're doing when they're standing statically and not really standing there statically. Like, you know, when people know you're looking at them and they do this awkward, like stand up tall posture, but when they're not really being assessed and they don't know they're being assessed, they'll stand more natural. Well, they can't, you can't see that in the virtual world. So a static posture assessment or some form of posture assessment can be really helpful because sometimes I get people in the clinic that I'm like, if I didn't actually know what your posture looked like previous to seeing you online, because I get my posture photos early, then I wouldn't have even known that you were really tall or really short or that maybe you were really quite muscly. Who knows? So anyway, um, obviously, I believe this is a really, really important aspect of uh, pelvic health, especially when it comes to resolving pelvic floor concerns and actually getting results. But I have a whole module dedicated to this in the mentorship. It's the very first month we go over all the important anatomy, really big recap, and then highlight a few things that you might not realize was important. Um, and then I want to, then we look at Uh, assessing someone's posture, what that looks like and what to look for when you're actually doing it. And then what that actually means in terms of your prescription. So how do you take the assessment and then prescribe for it? Or what should you be really focusing on when you can't do 15,000 exercises to address every problem? Um, I also show you how I do it in my setting. And then we chat about how you can apply this in your specific workplace. So lots of practical application. In terms of that, applications for the mentorship program will open on the 1st of February to those on the wait list only. The application process involves two stages. This is uh, first a submission of an application form and then stage two is a video interview. So we can chat a little bit more about everything, ask more questions and see if this is a really good fit for you. And then if that's obviously successful, you will be offered a position inside the mentorship program. 
So because of this, there are very limited spots inside the program and they're only going to be available to those on the wait list. And only if there are actually spots left, will I open up applications to the rest of my audience. So if you want to apply, make sure that you join the wait list. Otherwise you may actually miss out on this once a year opportunity to join the program. It's only happening one time. So you have to wait till 2024 if you really want to do this. Anyway, that is a wrap for today. Go forth and set your intentions for the year. Just give it a go. Trial it. See what happens. You might find you don't like it. You might find you love it and you hate setting smart goals. My smart goals sounded so great when I was younger and now I realize they don't really serve me a purpose. So I'm switching. And you're allowed to do that. Give yourself permission to actually do that. Sometimes I feel like you think you should be doing everything because everyone tells you that. In reality, you can do whatever you want. So anyway, I'm really excited what's to come for her education for this year. And I'm really, really, really grateful to have you here on the journey with me. Thank you for being part of my community and listening to my voice regularly. Um, It really does mean a lot to me. I know I say this every time, but it really does. Like, I feel very grateful to have people that actually care enough about what I have to say to listen in. Um, So anyway, have a lovely day wherever you are. And I will be in your ears in a fortnight. Have a great day. Bye.